The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Welcome to Dynamic Healing with two experts in chronic pain, David Hanscom and Les Aria. This podcast will show you how to unlock your body's ability to heal. Just breathe and learn how to rewire your brain and break free from chronic pain. I'm Les Aria. Welcome to Dynamic Healing. And I'm David Hanscom, and Les and I enjoy doing our work here. We have a good time, and we always teach each other a few things. So this is as much learning for us as it is to you. And what I'm learning about is called pain reprocessing therapy, of which a major study was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association recently. And it's been a very effective process in solving chronic pain. And again, the reason why lessons are, are so enthusiastic about this podcast is that chronic, chronic pain is a solvable problem and the medical profession is just missing the data. So pain reprocessing therapy is a category of treatments has, has been effective in chronic pain. It's a uh, combination of therapies, which remember com- chronic pain is complex it does take a combination approach to solve it, and PRT is a really nice way of discussing the process. So today we're going to discuss the fifth component of PRT, which is about learning to create a felt sense of safety versus fear of your pain. So this way of processing pain, but actually the healing occurs as you learn to generate the part of your brain that enjoys life. Yeah, and it's very well said. So David, uh, how about um, I'll, um, you can sit back like this and let your hair be blown back by this quote, okay? So uh, I, <laughs> you I thought you, you were going to be, be calm today. You, you started on so calm. I, I think it's probably because of the MCT, uh, the uh, coconut oil I have in my coffee, maybe that's what's got me fired up. Oh, Listen, um, audience, <laughs> here we go. This is a really good quote. Um, David has said it a few times and I want to... Sh- um, repeat it to you it matches today's thing um to have that felt sense of safety versus fear we um, need to kind of hang on to a few things and this quote says it all to have a good life you want to live a good life and the person that said that it's david hanscom Uh, first time i heard him say that it really made sense because if you're always caught up in things on how to get rid of the pain or what to do and we spend so much time ruminating we don't live a good life. Prior to this podcast, Dave and I were just chatting on the side. And, you know, he said a few things that's really right. I mean, when, we, when we're when we with things and fun things in life, a bad mood or, or a flare up or, or sharp pain in us that just really escalates um, our threat response can just really wipe out that whole good day or that moment. So to have a good life, you know, you need to live a good life. And that's our famous surgeon here, uh, David Hanscom. David, um, how about you walk us through, uh, before you get into this, or else we'll start banting here again. Um, how about you walk us through, what is uh, PRT, please? So well, let, me just, let me bring this whole little bit. To learn how to play golf, you have to practice. To learn how to play the piano, you have to practice. To live a good life, you have to practice. 
Yeah. And we're, we're focused, I mean, like every living creature, we're focused to survive. And that's different. So this is my favorite part of the topic, because there's lots of things we've talked about to help you sort of deal with these circuits that keep torturing us, anxiety, the anger, etc. But the healing actually occurs here as you learn to create these new circuits that are much more enjoyable. So just to review really quick, the five components of pain processing therapy, PRT, first one is to educate and understand pain. And as we pointed out, unless your brain's taking all these signals from the periphery and saying, is, is this painful or not? There's nothing in my hand that says hot or cold. <clears throat> my brain has to interpret those signals. The second thing is gather your own personal evidence of the brain's origins and the reversibility of pain. And in a conversation again yesterday with a patient or future patient saying, look, I'm not asking you to believe me. I don't want you to believe me. It's not about David Hanscom or Les Aria or our processes. This is about you. So internalize this and get your own evidence of what's going on and how you want to relate to it. The other one is tricky. The third one, gently leaning into the pain, is that Dr. Aria has a famous quote of what you resist will persist. And if you fight it, it's going to get worse. Like anything in life you fight, it becomes more tension getting. It starts to occupy more of your brain. So leaning into the pain is the opposite process. The fourth one, which both of us have swung to pretty significantly is that we know that emotional pain and physical pain are processed in the same circuits in the brain you get the same physiological response you can't escape your thoughts and emotions so you have to understand that you've got to address it all you actually cannot heal physical pain without addressing the mental pain so those are things to help calm down the nervous system but this last one is actually where the healing actually occurs so Dr. R, you want to talk about, um, let me ask you, does it give you, a, is creating positive feelings and sensations? So let's, does it give you a positive feeling when I, when you. <laughs> when I banter with you. Verbally um, take me down and humiliate me. Does that make <laughs> you feel good? <laughs> Listen here, David, this ain't group therapy this morning. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> and this is not an individual psychotherapy session. All right, now we we like to, Dave and I like to play in. I actually yes. know what he does. You know, since, since you take me oh. down a few notches, then it helps you bring me back up. Then you feel good about yourself, right? <laughs> I don't know about that. All right, we got to get back on track. It's like herding cats with two people. <laughs> so listen, so let's uh, let's get on with this. Uh, so the fifth component of PRT is creating positive feelings and sensations. And when you hear this for the first time, you're like, say what? What do we mean by creating more positive feelings and sensations uh, towards your pain? Is what we really mean by that is this: is the biggest thing that seems to stop a lot of my patients, and including David and I have experienced this personally, is that when we feel pain, it's not a psychological thing. There is a psychology component to it, but our knee-jerk reaction is, how do we get rid of it? So. One of the things that PRT does, it seems to kind of teach us that when we use a lens of safety, and that means is for us to actually settle ourselves down, because when we feel pain in our bodies, we have this evolutionary brain thing that kicks in, and it's like a reflex. And if I poke you with the pin, you're going to scream, or you're going to have a reflex of trying to get away from that poke. In the same sense, when we are being poked inside by our pain sensations with the reflex of wanting to figure out how to get rid of it, the danger with this is, and I'll have David talk a little bit more about this um, 
the way he explains it as far as the input and out the processing and the output because it's really important for you to slow down. I like how David speaks about it. So think about this. When you feel this sensation in your body, it's, it's become so unconscious where we have this reflex, right? So it's the brain that sends, sends us into the state of chaos or fear. But what we're trying to show you here in PRT, there's a way of actually safely leaning into it using what we call a lens of safety. I'm gonna head over to David here and ask, hey, David, um, you know, you've got this cool model about input, output. Can you just kind of walk over it um, for us, please, and explain that? Well, with dynamic healing, <clears throat> the term we use is that every living creature survives by processing its environment or circumstances, then taking appropriate action to survive. That's how life exists. So humans have, have an additional factor of language. So the input is the circumstances or stresses, we keep thinking stress is psychological, and it's just anything that says danger. Anything that says danger or threatens you, and it doesn't matter whether it's real or perceived danger, it's danger. So your body says danger, and then your nervous system could be sort of calm or hypervigilant. Hypervigilant means you had a bad childhood, you're like a feral cat, you haven't exercised, you're eating poorly. And so there's things that really keep your nervous system fired up. Then the final output is the physiology what's the state of your body's chemistry and i'll never forget reading this book sapiens by Dr. by harari where he pointed out that even five thousand years ago your sense of contentment depending on your physiological state just sitting around a fire with your family you just had a nice meal and you're maybe doing some rhythm together you were as happy back five thousand years ago as you were today with the same chemical state so your sense of well-being is really dependent on your body's chemistry and so you can't fix it, but you find ways to actually move into it. The thing about pain that's so difficult is that by definition, it's a danger signal and we want to avoid it. Then when it's chronic pain, it's like a car alarm that won't go off. It's incredibly annoying. I mean, why wouldn't it be? I mean, it's a danger signal. It doesn't go off. You can't escape it. And the impact of chronic pain on a person's life has been documented to be the equivalent of terminal cancer. So I do want to find out this, this discussion goes deep really fast, but the number one thing is that we have pain in our lives. Again, the mental pain is a bigger problem. So we have pain in our lives. Life keeps coming at us. So we do things to distract yourself, quote, enjoy our lives, et cetera, et cetera. But this unconscious pain response is so powerful that these things we do rationally is a mismatch. So if you're doing things to distract yourselves, that doesn't work. So what less I talk about, there's ways of negating this survival reaction, which by the way is a gift, anxiety, anger. Yeah. And then, then you can move into joy and that's where the healing actually occurs. But you can't move into joy until you process these massive circuits, which occurs multiple times a day. So should, should yeah. I let you talk, should I let you talk, Dr. Ari? You're doing a good job of listening today. <laughs> so a couple of things uh, David mentioned, and thanks, David, because I think what we're trying to emphasize to the audience today is that when you feel the sensation, it is so natural and human to have that knee-jerk reaction. And also just to reemphasize that there's a way of dealing with this. Because this is the part where, as David said, you know, it's sort of a skill, it's a training, it's a practice. And so we're trying to have you use, and the fifth component really just in summary emphasizes felt sense of safety. Are you in a safety mode or a danger mode? And if, you're, if you have no skills on, on how to show up during difficult sensations in your body, you have no skills, it really can just perpetuate everything. It's like fuel in the fire. 
one of the things, David, I wanted to mention to my uh, to our audience here is I have an acronym which I use um, taken from acceptance and commitment therapy. Very often when we engage um, with difficult things in our lives, inside, outside, or whomever's in between us, including our physical sensations, we do something to, uh, it's called DOTS, D-O-T-S. It's a very common thing people do. Um, this is the psychology to it. So just kind of, and, and pay attention to it. So step one, when you feel the sensations in your body, it's human to push back. We've got that over and over again, we've said that. The part we're trying to train you is the psychology part and how to show up differently. And so, but I wanted to take time to show you some common things people do. My patients do this, I've done this. Uh, we all do this at some level, but it also applies to persistent pain, chronic pain, or even trauma sensations. Check this out. It's called DOTS, D-O-T-S. When, when we come across difficult thoughts, emotions, and sensations, number one, we tend to do um, things such as distractions. So distractions could be where you're sitting and watching Netflix for the fourth hour. Distractions could be being in social media um, and just you know having a binge fest of you know TikTok. I'm not sure who listens to what, but you get my point. Just watching videos after videos in social media and Facebook. And what happens is your life goes by and you're using these distractions, these things that you're doing in your life, especially digital age, the, these these days we're caught up in a, our faces planted in our phones. So besides besides distractions, David, do you have a comment on that? Um, as far as yeah, no, it's extremely interesting. Just brought that up. There's actually a bunch of papers with a huge paper of Australia on nine thousand patients, where they looked at just time watching TV, and they found out that you, the longer you watch TV, the shorter your lifespan. It actually shortened your life. Is what it did, watching TV actually cranked up the inflammatory markers, and it didn't matter what you watch, is that your inflammatory markers went up the longer you watched TV. So more than two hours a day actually cranked up your inflammatory markers. And part of, part of it's lack of exercise, which is a factor, and we know elevated inflammatory markers shortening the lifespan, but this is independent of other things like diabetes, obesity, hypertension, cardiac disease. Watching TV by itself is a risk factor for shortening your life. It is, and uh, you know. So then, with that, it's 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 unbelievable. Um, but again, it's natural. We we tend to figure out what can how do I escape this difficult thought, emotion, sensation. So besides, uh, let's continue with the acronym DOTS. D O T S. Besides using like social media distraction, which is the most common thing, O stands for opting out. When we sometimes have messy feelings and real difficult sensations in our body, we opt out of things that uh, David talked about, they have a good life, you have to live a good life. And But what's funny is this is we tend to be so self-preserving. Now, this is the interaction or synergistic effects between the biology and the psychology. Let me explain. When we feel bad, we sometimes want to go hide. And the psychology then kicks in, which basically says, you know, um, I just don't want to hurt, so we don't move. So we tend to opt out of meaningful events in our lives. T right. stands for um, T stands for um, thinking strategies. David, this is something I think we both have done many, many times before we got these skills underneath our belt. Was thinking strategies like happy thoughts, happy thoughts, happy thoughts. Let me just kind of let me just change. Um, let me just kind of say something positive for myself. Uh, and I'll see what David has to say about this, but we're not trying to tell you that positive thoughts uh, or trying to change your thinking is bad. We're just saying is when your pain is pretty severe or your thoughts are very difficult, the emotions are pretty painful, 
trying to say that all is well um, can be kind of invalidating. We want to validate what shows up. Um, when I just want to delineate here, audience, so let me slow down. It's okay to do thinking strategies, to change your thinking. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong in positive thoughts. However, when it's mild to moderate, it tends to work. When you have a mild to moderate stress in your life, a mild to moderate difficult thought, feeling, or sensation, you can definitely say, like, yep, um, I'm going to be okay. Hang in there. It's okay to say those things. However, so listen up here. Between moderate to severe intensity of thoughts, emotions, and sensations, using thinking strategies or just trying to make everything feel good is what I call putting... Um, you know, ice cream on poop. I know it's a bad comment, but trying to make everything seem honky-dory when you're actually doing a disservice. When we feel overwhelmed, it is important to validate that this sucks, I don't like it, and this is a difficult suffering moment. To not do that is to put what I call ice cream on poop because that's gross, right? But the point here is this. Positive thinking or changing your thoughts are okay when it's mild to moderate, moderate to severe and more intense, you want to lean into it. And this is the part that everyone misses. I'm going to get David's thought in it, summarize, then move on with the next acronym. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24 through 26. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. So I agree with you. There's another way of, of positive thinking. So it's a really tricky thing because positive thinking does not work. We know that suppressed thoughts and emotion actually shrink the thinking centers of your brain, actually shrink the hippocampus, which is the memory center of your brain, actually physically shrinks with suppressed thoughts and emotions. So it's really like going back to one of our earlier podcasts, you have to feel to heal and allow yourself to have compassion for yourself. You really are suffering. Then you make a decision to go a different direction. It may not work, but you don't sit there and wallow in what you're in and feel sorry for yourself. And you don't fight it either. It's tricky because you don't want to be in pain. Who wants to be in pain? But again, coming back to what I'm seeing as being the huge problem is that the stresses that are the most stressful are the stresses that you can't escape. Mm. I.e. the first one being your thoughts. None of us can escape, escape our thoughts. So I talk to people now, people are just tortured by these crazy thought patterns that they can't get rid of. And so just understand is that the thoughts are there. You can do thought, counter thought all day long. And the key issue here is you quit fighting this stuff. It starts to lose its energy. And then as you, as you quit, you find ways to neutralize it. And again, it takes repetition and time. doesn't happen tomorrow. Then the unconscious brain is a million times stronger than your conscious brain. So you learn, as you learn to neutralize these circuits, again, multiple times a day, then you start moving into the life that you want or creating joy. So I just want to use an example of Jack Nicholas, which is a fascinating story to me, which is different than positive thinking. So to me, it's a positive vision. Where do I want to go? How do I want to get there? What am I going to do to do that? So there's a reporter one day, Jack Nicholas, for those of you that are not golfers, is the greatest golf, or 
greatest golfer of all time. She won 18 major championships. Um, nobody's come, Tiger Woods came close with 14, but Jack Nicklaus is the greatest golfer of all time. And a reporter asked him one day about the shot he missed that cost him a tournament. And Jack Nicklaus looked at him and goes, well, what are you talking about? And he only focused on the shots that were good, what he wanted to do the next time over and over and over again. So he wasn't trying to fix his troubles. He just simply worked on what he wanted. And that's where I have this concept that's now emerged for me personally. So I went to 13 years of psychotherapy, which I'm not against psychotherapy at all. But I just thought if I understood my past enough, it would somehow solve my problems. Or <laughs> I'm pretty good at this. I'm a good problem solver. I thought, well, if I just solved enough of my problems, I'd have a happier life. It doesn't work that way. Right. So it's better to solve problems. It's better not to be stressed out by things you can't control. But really nurturing joy, creating the life that you want is a big deal. It's, it's a learned separate skill. And so that's where the healing actually occurs because you have to fix the negative thoughts, have to learn those tools, but you're not going to really heal until you learn how to move into this new life. Yeah, that's exactly right, David. And thanks for sharing that because I think that's a great example. One of the things as, as David was talking about is, you know, uh, and to emphasize, it's not that the thinking strategies are not are bad, but you know, what is that serving really? Just um, what is the real purpose of that? Let me wrap up the last acronym, then I'll do a quick review so then move on uh, with our discussions on creating positive feelings and sensations towards your pain, the fifth component of PRT. So we were talking about dots, basically. The reason I brought that up is because when bad things happen inside, outside, or whomever's in between us, we tend to actually have this biological knee-jerk reaction of Figuring, trying to figure out how do I get rid of that messy feeling or that really painful physical sensation. So we, we do this unconsciously. The brain does this. It's a biological threat. Uh, so then our body goes into the stress response. And uh, so the psychology component, what we tend to do is this. I said dots. We use distraction, opting out of events or so things that are helpful or meaningful, opting out, thinking strategies, happy thoughts, happy thoughts, versus trying to say like, this is a difficult moment of suffering, validating. The S part, D-O-T-S, the S part is substances. Now check this out. Audience, have you ever done this? My good surgeon, have you ever done this? When you're feeling sucky, terrible, uh, the pain has really just worn you out. You big, get a big old spoon, that ice cream, and you dig into it and tear into it. Or you realize after you've been in misery, you realize that you've used a lot more alcohol than usual. You've actually completed that bag of chips and you just sat down and time flew by. Substance. It was always a problem with that. <laughs> I, knew, I, I was just waiting. I was looking at David. I knew he was going to say that. So. No, I mean, I agree. I used to eat whole bags of Oreos in the city. I mean, a bag of chips was no big deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, the thing is about food is that it occupies circuits. So talk about shifting from pain to pleasure pathways. Emotional eating is a huge deal. Huge. Um, yeah. Of course, the other substances, that's a, that's, a, that's a bummer about illicit substances is, is they actually work. <laughs> it's a bummer they create so much havoc. I mean, I, I spent 40% of my entire practice dealing with people that were heroin addicts that infected their spines from IV drugs. And it was a mental pain that just tortured them. And the problem is that morphine works for mental pain as well as physical pain. And it's such a bummer that it works, but there's so many down, I mean, downsides way bigger than upside. I'm not saying 
I'm not advocating morphine, of course, but what I'm saying is that the reason why people take these drugs is because they actually work. They actually take away the pain for the time that they're there. Yeah, and, and that's exactly right. And David, I'm not sure if that's your dog barking or that's your thoughts barking, uh, pun intended. Um, so all right, on a serious note here. So I, I think you're right, David. And um, as uh, we don't want to be flipping about this. And what we're trying to say is this is the reality is this is there. We do certain things because it serves a purpose. It makes us feel good. You know, the processed food, the alcohol, the chips, every all those things tend to make us feel good. But it's not a solution. This is a marathon. It's a it's a means to an end that actually ends in great danger uh, to your body. It actually will make you feel worse in the end. And one of the things, by the way, David, psychologically, about my patients' experience, when they tend to use substances, whether eating food or trying to get into other people's businesses, um, my point here is this: is it feels good for the moment, but in the end, the shame will kind of surface. And um, on a different podcast, I've talked about this. Shame is basically when we are angry and disgusted with ourselves. Those two components. To create shame in us, we have to actually have anger towards ourselves and disgust. In doing so, what happens, we shame ourselves, and then we get into this really depressive and very punishing cycle. By the way, David has talked about this. I've talked about this in our different podcast. When you do the shaming or when you engage in really getting drunk in your negative thoughts, you're actually activating your threat physiology. And therein by, we actually make the pain worse. So, well, yeah, because what happens is the brain itself becomes inflamed. Your happy brain is what's called glial cells, which actually, there is a pretty strong argument amongst modern neuroscientists that the brain is actually part of the immune system. You know, you have all these receptors in the brain that are inflammatory, anti inflammatory, and the brain actually does. There's 80 billion cells in the brain that don't even touch each other. They're all separated by little spaces called synapses. So it's a very adaptable structure and it gets inflamed. So your brain is hypersensitized. The speed of the speed of nerve conduction doubles. So you really do feel the pain a lot more. But I want to go even bigger picture. So just review really quickly. Let me see if I can remember this. Dot. Distraction, yep. opting out, yep. thinking your way out of it. Yep. The last one was substances. Oh, substances. Yeah. Right. So bigger picture, we spend our lives accomplishing things, experiencing things, owning things, doing, I mean, we spend our lives trying to distract ourselves in a way. And I, there was six people in Sun Valley when I was there, incredibly successful. They had done what they need, needed to do. They had families, they had tens of millions of dollars. They owned businesses. They lived in a beautiful countryside six males between ages 45 and 60 committed suicide every one of them incredibly successful and i got to a point myself also was pretty bad shape but i had done everything i was supposed to do to have a happy life i had you know beautiful wife kid house practice all these things were happening and i was miserable so it's sort of a sense of desperation well i've done all these things i'm supposed to do to have a happy life and it hasn't happened so here's the key the, the data shows out of ucla that if you are living a life was called hedonic pleasure, just pleasure for pleasure's sake. It's a way of suppressing negative thinking, negative experiences. Right. Your, inflammatory mark, your inflammatory markers go through the roof. And then if you live your life with a sense of passion and purpose, giving back, helping others, being who you are, just being, the inflammatory markers go straight down. It's not two slopes of a graph. One goes straight up, the other goes straight down. So based on our conversation today, we want to do these positive things to distract ourselves, et cetera. And you're really just firing up the physiology in a 
huge way because we know suppressed unpleasant emotions are actually more inflammatory than expressed emotions. Yeah. So that's what I have a little earworm that I put into Les's ear. Sorry, Les, about... <laughs> oh, don't do this. Don't do this. Audience, <laughs> plug your ears right now. It's, it's the Spice Girls. Tell me what you want, what you really, really want. I mean, so we complain a lot. We do this, this, and this. This isn't right. This isn't right. But my thing is, well, what do you want? And it took me a long time to get there because, I again, I thought solving my problems would give me a happier life. But again, you got to decide what you want to do and go after it. So again, if you spend your energy fixing your problems and be feeling sorry for yourself, you are going absolutely nowhere. In fact, you are going somewhere, you're going back into the hole even deeper. Because I mean, this is really tricky for the audience as far as neuroplasticity versus psychology. With repetition, your brain will learn how to live a good life. It takes repetition to do that. You have to train your brain to go there. So call it psychology if you want, but your brain's gonna follow where you place its attention. Yep. So we do know now in these research MRI scans, you actually can change the brain's activity. For instance, they had a research paper out just recently that shows altruism, giving back, helping other people actually changes the reactivity of the brain into more pleasant circuits. You actually can see this on scans now. It's fascinating. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up. Um, and please don't mention, we should have like you know disclaimers to people now they're going to walk away with that Spice Girl. Well, what's the title of the song again? Tell me what you want. Actually, I don't, there actually is a different title to it, but it's, um, but I, I do, I listen to myself because I used to, I've complained my entire life about all the evils of medicine, this, this, and this, the politics of the world, et cetera, or complain about your pain, complain, complain about your medical care, et cetera. What do you want? What do you, do you really, really want? <laughs> Tell me what you want. Tell me what you really, really Doctor, want. I've been talking to this audio for a long time. Tell me what you want. What do you really want? Oh my gosh. Every time David mentions that silly song, I walk away with that earworm. I mean, I'm telling you. Now I can actually hear it in my, I hear it in my head now. Great. I need therapy at this point. <laughs> it's a great hey, song. Folks, um, it is a great song. So, you know, really, uh, if you want to feel better, you have to do, you have to do differently, right? So, and so what we're talking about in PRT, we just covered the dots and we told you that it's an evolutionary thing to have a reflex when you feel difficult things inside of you. The part that we want to really emphasize here, one of the great things about PRT is that if you can learn, I'm just going to break it down for you. Um, if you can learn to be with the sensations and create some positive feelings, and just to come back to that again is this, is just find that spot in your body right now. Find that spot in your body and just identify where it is. And if you can just kind of what I call, if you can just witness that sensation that you're feeling right now with just your breath. And what that means is if you can just kind of pay attention to it. Remember, PRT is about creating this lens of safety versus danger. And instead of complaining about the sensation or wanting to run from it, if you can just kind of notice the size, shape, and color of it. And as you notice the size, shape, and color of it, just continue to just connect with your breath. And as you're connecting with your breath, I want you to really send some messages of safety after you've connected with your breath. So just slow your breath down, notice the size, shape, and color of the sensation in your body. I'm just gonna do this for a few more seconds. And as you continue to connect with the flow and sensation of your breath, just Send a message of safety that it's okay. I'm safe. I'm safe. All is well. So just as we mentioned in the beginning, we're not using positive 
thinking in the sense. We're trying to get you to calm your brain system down first. Then we're using sort of what we call reappraisal. That's an important step is to connect with your breath, just observe mindfully, reappraise the sensation as all is well, settle down, I'm safe, it's okay. And then the last component is this, if you have a burning sensation, for example, like sciatica or your feet, here's the positive thing is, when was the last time you were in a hot tub? Do you notice how much when you put your feet in there, there's a burning sensation? But doesn't it feel so good to be in that hot tub? At first, it's kind of, so you want to pull from your imagination, like where have I else, where else have I felt the sensation? If you notice your back is aching, think about the last time you did a, a completed a project, like, wow, yeah, your back is sore, but you completed something beautiful. Or I know for some of us, we made our bed. David? Well, think about it. I, I mean, a couple of things that come to mind as you're talking is that you've all seen a Chinese finger trap. Do you know what a Chinese finger trap is? So you, it's a, it's a like a net that the harder you pull on this net, the worse it gets, the tighter it gets. And so what you're doing to calm yourself down, you can gently calm yourself down, you know, push up on the finger trap and you, you release it. If you start fighting it, it gets tighter and tighter and tighter. Yeah. So it's a matter of just taking that deep breath. And when you're, when you're reacting and frustrated, there's a bunch of, a bunch of things you can do to basically decrease your inflammatory response. Remember the essence of chronic disease, including chronic pain, is um, lowering your threat physiology. Yeah. And so there's like <clears throat> humming, breathing, good music, giving back, taking a walk, calling a friend, all those things are anti-inflammatory. And they slow down your metabolism. So remember you're trying to work on your physiology. And so when you're fighting things, you forget the fact, well, maybe you should put on a good song like, Tell me what you want. <laughs> oh, good Lord, let's not go down that road again. But actually, David's right about this is, you know, when you're experiencing this difficult sensation in your body, pairing it with um, with something that you felt uh, safe with and joyful about, it's really, really important. Sometimes when I'm, when I'm feeling um, a sensation or a flare up, um, I basically remind my, I, I use the, so there are three components and that's somatic tracking. So somatic tracking we've talked about in the previous episode is really a key component to um, PRT because it provides you that lens of safety, being able to experience your sensations in your body through sort of uh, this, this lens of safety. How? Through to three ways. You basically show up with a sense of mindfulness, not judgment. So basically just witnessing or observing with your breath. The step two then is to reappraise it with, you know, after you've sort of settled yourself down into grounded yourself and then using reappraisal just to kind of send a message to your brain. Remember, we've talked about that again, is this is not just positive psychology or, or pop psychology or positive thinking. We're trying to show you is first lower the threat physiology of your brain. That's why witnessing with your breath helps calm the primitive parts of our brain down and the threat physiology. Then step two, go into then the safety statements of all is well, I'm safe right now. This is just my body feeling some sense of danger, but all I'm safe. But the key word is I'm safe, I'm here, all is well, it's okay. Then try to see if you can pull up that sensation you're feeling in your body of something positive you can associate with. And that's right. the key, and, that might, and you might need a therapist or, to, or, or someone to work with to kind of bring that out a little bit more, but for you get the point that uh, to create that sense of positivity, 
when you go to the gym and your body aches, it's not, you don't have cancer, your body's being alive. So remind yourself that your body is alive. And you, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal from David and because when we're wrapping up here in a few minutes is to have a good life, you have to live a good life. And that's the positive part, despite having the sensations in your body. So we can hear this discussion on for a long time, but this is sort of the flip side of what we've talked about is that one of the cardinal rules that we both have now evolved with, we didn't used to think this way, is that don't share your pain, don't complain, don't be critical, just actually be nice. Because if you're complaining, gossiping, et cetera, your brain's going the wrong direction. So if that's the life you want to live, complaining, et cetera, that's what, you, that's what your brain's going to develop and do. And it does get worse. I did this for 15 years. And so again, you learn not to pretend things are good because they're bad, you're in pain. But then nurturing joy is a separate learned skill. So I want to review really quickly. This is our last episode on pain reprocessing therapy. Again, it's PRT. You'll start reading about it more and more in the press. It's become, we're actually excited because it feels like that some of these concepts are coming into mainstream medicine and public awareness in a bigger way. So again, the five components are education, understand how pain works, then gather your own evidence about the pain process. How do you relate to this whole process? Um, lean into the pain, quit fighting it. Now, again, that's easier said than done. And that's one of the hardest parts of the chronic pain since you have a very unpleasant sensation coming at you. But again, gently leaning into the pain. This is, remember, and Dr. Arya actually taught me this. Dr. Arya said, be nice to yourself. You're suffering. You know, be nice to yourself, but don't give up. The fourth one is addressing other emotional threats, life pressures, et cetera. Those are all threats. Then today we're talking about creating positive feelings and sensations, which is not positive thinking. It's actually generating the life that you want in your mind, starting to actually act on it and do it and adopt tools that keep your nervous system calmed down. So we're excited about this process. We are going into lots of different areas of chronic pain. It is a complex problem. It does not, it does not respond to simplistic solutions. So we have lots of things we'll be talking about going forward in our podcast, but this is our um, six episodes on pain reprocessing therapy, and we've been, we've enjoyed doing this. And, and thanks, I um, uh, like how we had this discussion today. Hopefully you found it helpful. And uh, I just have some parting words, David, for you and the audience. Uh, and I'd like you to kind of really hear me on this one. Hey, David, um, what do you want? What do you really, really, really want? <laughs> hey, folks. I, I, know, I know what I, I want. I, I, I would like you to listen to me. <laughs> I want to be validating. There you go. <laughs> oh, it's never ending, folks. Hey, thanks. Have a, have a great day. Thanks, All right. David. Thank you, Les. David and Les would love to hear from you about today's podcast and any ideas for future topics. You can email them at david-les at dynamichealingpodcast.com. That's david-les at dynamichealingpodcast.com. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. 
Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.